Hey everybody, this is your host, LaVie. Welcome to Thrift Therapy, the podcast all about thrift life. Recycling, collecting, DIYing, all the ups and downs, ins and outs of thrifting. So glad you joined me for this thrift adventure. Woohoo! Another episode. Here we go, guys. I have a lot to say about thrifting today, and I know you want to hear it because you guys love thrifting too. All right. First, I have to tell you guys, I had an epic thrift trip to Austin. Remember last episode, I told you guys I got invited into an event for lady podcasters and female entrepreneurs and really female creative entrepreneurs hosted by Jennifer of Creative Queso Podcast. I hope you check that out. Anyway, I had a blast there. It was super fun. But more importantly, the thrift. On the way there, I took the whole day off as a self-care day. And on the way to Austin, I stopped at several thrift stores. First of all, I stopped in New Braunfels at a thrift store I'd never been to before called CIS Thrift Store. And I had such a great haul, you guys. And it's my favorite kind of thrift store where it's slightly curated, but still a little bit trashy. You know, it's not perfect. And uh, everything's kind of cheap. And they have a few little items that they overpriced, which I, of course, didn't buy. But it's just the best kind of thrift store because it's kind of a hole in the wall, but somebody cares about it. And so you can find really great treasures without spending tons of money, so you're still thrifting. I think it was my favorite stop on the trip, first of all, because I'd never been there, second of all, because I found amazing stuff, and third of all, because it's my favorite kind of thrift shop. So there. Win, win, win. Let me tell about the stuff I got there. My favorite find of the day was probably these platform Teva sandals which if you're on Instagram at all right now, you know every street style star is wearing. And I got a pair for $5, right? Now New Braunfels, for those of you who don't know, is kind of a water sport little town because they have a big river flowing through it that they make, they like sort of get a lot of tourist money from. And so it's the perfect place to look for sport sandals. I wasn't looking but it is the perfect place. And I found them anyway. Thank you, Thrift Gods, you're amazing. Now, I have only worn them so far to do a water sport thing, but I plan on styling them up with like a cute floral dress and maybe like some shorts and a really cool sequin top. You know, I plan on being kind of irreverent and out of context with them, which is the trend right now. So, on trend, $5. High fives. Then, as if that weren't good enough, I got a Hugo Boss shirt and a Bonobo shirt, which are both high-end brands of men's shirt for my one male thrift bag subscriber, and they are just his side, and they're gonna look amazing on him. And if you wanna see him style them next month, well, head on over to Gnome Floof on Instagram, because that's where they'll be. And then, yeah, that's right, that's not all. I got an amazing sequined long jacket in the most beautiful royal blue, which of course I will be modeling on my Thrift Therapy Pod underscore OOTD Instagram page because I like to post a picture every day of my outfit. 
it's kind of like a little journal of my outfits for me and other people seem to like looking too. So another win-win. Then I went to the belt section and you guys, I got like seven belts and they were a dollar each. So they are thrift bag goodies that some of you are gonna be getting. I got a really cool vintage dress with some funky sleeves that I haven't even tried on yet. I don't even know what it looks like on, but it was really, really cool. And it's like a royal blue, kind of, I don't know, shiny disco lycra. I don't know how to explain it. You're just gonna have to keep an eye out for it. Oh, I'll put it on thrifttherapypod.com with the show notes, because that's what I'm trying to do more of, is put pictures up for you to go look at. Then, uh, what else did I get? Oh, I got a little, a little tiny salt spoon, you know, one of those collectible spoons. Well, let me back up. They had this little tray of tiny spoons that looked like somebody had collected, but they were for sale individually, so they were 25 cents a piece. Some of them looked like they were definitely haunted, so I picked out the least haunty one, and I got that one because I needed it for my uh, little sugar bowl that I have. So, ta-da, 25 cents. And I've been on the hunt for one of those for a while, uh, just so happened I found one. Then I got a couple of really cool records and I got an eight disc audio book of a Gloria Steinem book that I got for a dollar. So I don't know if I'll actually listen to it because I don't know if I listen to disc anymore, but it was so cool that I just had to have it and put it on my bookshelf. That was a fun place and I think I spent around 40 bucks there. It was well worth it. I got the really coolest little drawstring lavender multicolored beaded bag that I already posted a picture of on the podcast Instagram page, which is their therapy pod. And people are loving it. And it was marked $7. I didn't like the price. It's kind of damaged. And the girl gave it to me for $4. So thank you, darling. I really appreciate it. I had a good time there. Then I got back on the road headed up the way a bit towards Austin, and I stopped at one of my favorite places to stop at, which is Goodwill Central Texas. The reason it's one of my favorite places is because it's like a mega Goodwill. It's super styled. Now the downside is the prices are higher than I wanna pay, and they don't have a color of a day, which is a super bummer. So every time I go there, I know I'm gonna spend more than I wanna spend. This time I did pretty good. I only spent 60 bucks. And uh, that felt like a good, I guess that felt like a good amount because typically, you know, we're talking like a hundred bucks. And um, I I don't think I found as really good as stuff if I found in the past, but I did find a couple really awesome gems. Like I found three dresses that I think were really worth my time. And then I found some thrift bag goodies that I will be sending out. So I'm gonna post a thrift haul probably next. Actually, I'm gonna try to get it up this weekend if I can because thrift bags go out on the 30th. So I'll try to get a thrift haul up Sunday night so you guys can see what I bought on my Austin trip and tag yourself in the comments if you want any of those pieces. I'll do my very, very best. If not, I'll save it for next month because I have tons of thrift. Then I got back on the road and I drove on into Austin and I still had about two hours. So I went to my favorite Austin thrift stop, which is Texas Thrift, right off of 35. I always find amazing thrift there and this time was no exception. I absolutely had an epic haul from that store. This haul, I got I think like four or five beautiful handmade 
meant for resale, cultural garments that I can feel really, really amazing wearing, knowing that they were meant to be shared and they're absolutely beautiful and they all fit me, which is unbelievable. And um, I'm super excited to wear them. I wore one Monday on my OOTD thread on Instagram. It's like this uh, jacket that I got. It's just beautiful. And I can't wait to wear the others. And I'm just, you know, I'm kind of spreading them out a little because they're just treasures. And I hope that you like them too. Let's see. Then I went to the party. I went to the caftans and cocktails party that drove me that way in the first place. I met Jennifer in real life. She's adorable. I met lots of her friends and her creative family in Austin. And there were so many caftans. It was the best. There were like probably over 30 people in caftans, which is maybe like my ideal crowd. Caftans and cocktails and queso. Perfect. Anywho, that was my trip. Very worth it. And I'm glad I got to go. The other things I want to tell you about are, you know, general business things. Like I have a couple of Patreon and one-off thrift time bag people that I want to thank. Erica V bought a one-time thrift bag this month from one of my thrift haul videos. I can't wait to send you awesome things. And Ariel B signed up as a Patreon subscriber, so she's going to get a thrift bag every month. Thanks, you guys. Welcome to the Thrift Therapy family. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, you just head on over to patreon.com. Create yourself a little profile. Most people use Facebook to log in, to be honest. And then you just search for Thrift Therapy and you can pick your level of thrift bag and you will get some thrifted goodies every month. And all those proceeds go back into the thrift and they help to pay my new sound engineer and keep this podcast running. So y'all are awesome. I want to tell you guys that this episode and there's one more episode before my mid-season break And this episode, I'm going to be talking to Roxy of Elevated Layers, which is going to be amazing. I think you guys are really going to like her message and the role that she wants to play in the secondhand community. And then the next one is August 11th, and that's going to be with the underscore thrift underscore stylist of Instagram, you guys. And she is awesome. So if you don't know who that is, you should go check it out. Most people in the thrift community know who she is. And she's just a bombshell, and she's full of energy. And we're going to have fun with these two interviews. But then I'm going to be on a break for, I'm going to skip, let's see, one whole episode. So I'll be on a break for four weeks. I'll be back September 19th, and I have a treat for you. I'm going to kick off the second part of Season 4 with Deborah Rappaport of advanced style and she is going to tell you all the creative diy thrifty things so we're going to have a blast stay tuned and keep that thrift mind focused on what we're doing in our community oh i want to update you guys on the newsletter poll that i mentioned in the last episode i did post that in the facebook group and it was the resounding yes people want a newsletter So on the season break, I will be working on that. And when I come back with Deborah, I will have an announcement about how to get the newsletter in your inbox. 
I only have one more thing to tell you. And that is sort of something that came up in my conversation with Roxy. There are all these different places that you can do sustainable shopping. And sometimes they don't like each other that much or they wanna make sure that you know the difference. And while Roxy and I don't give a flying fuck about that, we thought, or I thought, maybe I should tell you guys the different layers of reused clothing that you can get. And you can decide for yourself which kind of shop you like and why you like it. And I will just keep shopping at thrift stores because they're my favorite. Now, what is a thrift store? Well, a thrift store is typically a... It's often a nonprofit. Sometimes it's associated with a charity or a religious organization that accepts donated items and sells those goods back to consumers at a very low cost to support whatever their non-for-profit organization is. It's really a way for them to raise money for the things that they like to fund. Like, for example, Goodwill likes to fund Uh, sending people back into the workforce, helping them re-educate themselves. Now, there are plenty of different thrift shops. There's a lot of people who say there are certain thrift shops you shouldn't shop at because of the causes they support. I'm not going to tell you those things. I will let you decide those for yourself. I don't want to be judgy and tell everybody what to believe and what to support. But it is true that if you are shopping at a nonprofit charity-driven thrift store, that money is going back into the causes they support. So it could be worth your time to see what those causes are and see if you align with them. They're the cheapest of the thrift shops and they vary based on maybe their size, how many things they redistribute into the community, what their missions are, what their affiliated organizations are. So, you know, the big ones are Goodwill, Salvation Army, Savers, Value Village, etc., etc. And they can vary regionally based on those same criteria. Now, if you want to level up a bit in the kinds of goods you're getting and you're going to be spending a little bit more too, you might look at resale shops. And these are curated shops that are typically run by persons who are going to directly benefit from the sales that they make. And they will go to thrift shops or other sourcing places to buy their goods and then resell them at a higher price. Now, you may wonder what's the benefit of that. Me too, because I don't mind sourcing my own shit. But it is good to support your fellow creatives that are local, and a lot of them sell repurposed or restored good, which is extra fun. To be fair, what they really do is provide a service of curation, meaning they go through all the racks, all the bins, all the garbage, and all the donations that other people get rid of and pick out what they think is good. So when you go into their shop, you're looking at what they think is worth the money that they're charging for it. And sometimes they focus specifically on vintage of a certain era or time, and I like that. So it saves you time, it saves you digging, it saves you the hunt if that's not your thing, and they will charge you for that service. So it's fair for them to charge more, Then there's the consignment shop, and that's the shop that is somewhere between a thrift shop and a resale shop where they take in goods, but they want to give you the money for the goods, and then they sell them to other people like a resale shop. So they're 
they're not going to do the thrifted thing where people are donating, so it takes out that part, but they also benefits people in more than one way, like a thrift shop. So you can buy stuff there, but they will also pay you for your goods. And the more quality goods you have, the more money you'll get. And there are different levels of a consignment shops. If you have designer goods, then you're looking for a high-end consignment shop because they'll give you more money for it because they'll turn around and sell it for more. You know, if you have mall brands, you're looking for a Plato's closet. Like I personally love to shop at Buffalo Exchange because it's sort of um, middle to low range. There's so much variety that I feel like I can always find something I like. And I'm not participating in buying new goods, which as Roxy and I say in the interview, never pay retail. Those are the three main categories of secondary goods, but now there are new options like Roxy's Elevated Layers Company, there's Relove, there's Poshmark, there's eBay, there's all these different online thrift, consignment, and resale shops that you can use to both sell your goods and buy secondhand goods. And that's sort of really blowing up our options and opportunity. And even Goodwill has like an online auction option now. So there's really no excuse for not buying secondhand. I think it's something everyone can do at least some of. So be sure and visit all these different platforms, find what's right for you, and then spread the word. Well, I hope that was helpful. I think that's all I have to say before the interview. So I think we'll take a word from our sponsors and then we'll get right to it. All right, you guys, it's that time. It's time for the interview with another thrift fashion guru. So Today, I'm going to be talking with Roxy of Elevated Layers, which is an online clothes sharing service for people who are interested in creating social content revolving around fashion, but it's a conscious way to do so while at the same time cutting fashion waste. What Roxy has set about to do is solve a problem of Well, let's do this. Have you guys ever thought about being a fashion influencer on Instagram or starting a blog or maybe using any sort of influence you have to spread the word about a particular brand? Well, if you have, one of the things that may have kept you for doing so or one of the things that you may be running into as you make your way is that there's a lot of pressure to wear something different all the time or to be consuming something different all the time. And it's really not sustainable or affordable to do so, especially for people who aren't at the very top of their game. So it can be a problem for people wanting to get started as an influencer, but who have something to say. So Roxy noticed this as a stylist, and she said about trying to make this less of a problem for people by creating a clothes sharing system. It's kind of like the Uber or the Airbnb of clothing. So you can create an account with Elevated Layers at elevatedlayers.com. You can check out their message. You can look at their picture galleries, and you can sort of get an understanding of what's going on there. But we can also let Roxy explain it to you herself and give you some backstory of why this is an important mission for her. So without further ado, here's Roxy of Elevated Layers. Hey, Roxy. Welcome to Thrift Therapy. 
Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to have this conversation about your company. Me too. I, I mean, it's something that I think a lot of people should starting start having conversations about. So it's good to kick this off the right way. Definitely, definitely. So before we get into what you're doing now, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, like where you come from, uh, maybe like what life was like for you growing up, just wherever you want to start. Yeah, sure. A little bit of background was I I, I was born in New York City. Um, unfortunately, my dad passed away when I was little, so we had to leave New York and we moved out to the West Coast. So um, I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, then after high school, I moved to LA and went to fashion school. So I went to FITM downtown LA for product development and merchandising, which is like complete opposite of what I'm doing now. But I think um, when I was in LA, I started to kind of fall into the fashion world, but didn't really know how to become a part of it. And I think originally, like when I was in school, I wanted to be a shoe designer, but like there was no way I was going to get like a million dollars to be able to start a shoe line and do all these like crazy things I wanted to do being 19. And I, I, yeah, I kind of fell into the styling world and I had a retail job and I think everybody that wants to be in fashion just kind of goes that route. So I was doing like visuals and like, you know, styling mannequins, styling people, whatever I could do to just kind of be surrounded by it. And, and then ultimately I started hanging out with like a lot of creative people and like hipsters and them being like oh can we borrow your stuff like you have such cool outfits can we borrow some of your clothes for shoots and I was like sure let's do it and I think I kind of started to notice a pattern where people were just lacking access to clothing so that's where I figured okay what if there was a service where you could provide clothing or you could get access to stuff for for different projects and that's sort of where I began well, do your um, does your family are they into fashion? I know you mentioned your father passed away when you were young, but do you have siblings? Like, are you the only one in your family who's into fashion? How does that work? Yeah, um, yeah. So I I am an only child. <laughs> My mom is. We're complete opposites. I think where the fashion, I, I guess, bug is from my grandmother. Mm. I know that she. I mean, my my grandmother and my my grandfather. They had like. Oh my gosh, I think my mom has nine brothers and sisters. A lot, like huge family, a lot of kids. And then so my grandmother would like make a lot of their clothes. So she was like, um, you know, she would sew things and she would like put things together. And I think that's maybe where I got my interest from. You know, like and I've always played with my style. I've always like changed things. I've always gone out and hunted. And that's where part of like the thrifting began and just buying pre-owned and, you know, just because I had such a, I didn't have any money back then. So like, you know, that was like the cheapest way for me to be able to replenish styles and kind of like put my own theme to it. So I think that's kind of where I picked up on trying to get interested into the fashion world, but <laughs> it's, more, it's all creative for me. Yeah. And it's really about style, right? It's not really about fashion per se. It's more about putting looks together. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, ha- I guess I've always had that I really hate to say you have an eye for stuff. Yeah, so I could I could never be a designer. Like I, I I realize that. Like I think right when I finished school, it is just 
so it's so tedious it's very yeah. difficult it's very expensive there's just like so much that goes and I am like uh, yeah I, I think like the dream kind of dies <laughs> yeah you really have to like the te- like you mentioned the tedium of it the it's really about when you're doing the design end of something it's not just the vision it's the execution and if you're not into the execution part, boy, are you going to be unhappy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I think that's like where most people go wrong is, you know, you know, I don't think that you should pursue something just because you think, you know, going to be fun and pretty all the time. (laughs) So being an an entrepreneur and like starting company is, I don't think it should be a goal. There's definitely a personality (laughs) type, I think, that is more suited to entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial efforts. You know, it's not like something for everyone. And I think you were really uh, insightful about when you are choosing a path. This is something that comes up, uh, you know, as a therapist, a great deal. People trying to find their path is often how it comes up. You know, what's next for me? Feeling unfulfilled, especially in the 20s and 30s, the late 20s and 30s. There's a lot of uh, internal pressure to really figure shit out. And when people talk about finding their path, one of the things that I do mention is exactly what you said, is let's not just look at what you're interested in. We can start there, but let's really, once we figure out what you're interested in and what your talents are and where that overlaps, let's really look at the boots on the ground details of what the day-to-day experience of that is like and tie it back to your personality and your values. Because even if you are interested in style, but you don't like carrying things and you hate (laughs) driving and you don't want to talk to people, let me tell you, being a shoot stylist is not for you. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's just, I feel like that's just the easy part. Oh, t- I mean, yeah, it's like, uh, it is grunt work, right? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you kind of do have to know a little bit about who you are as a person, not just the things that interest you to find a good match. And what I'm hearing in your story so far is like, you always had an interest in style and creativity since you were a kid. Maybe that comes from your grandma. It, you know, it wasn't immediately around you, but you... You found it anyway, so that means it belongs to you. Right. And then you started working your way through, how do I make this work for me? Yeah, you know, I I never went to, like, business school or whatever. So, I, you know, and I think that part for me is still challenging. Like, I I know about having, you know, like, a business model and, and revenue and P&Ls and, like, all these things that come with you know, having running a business, but, um, you're right. It goes to really understanding what you're an expert at and what value you can bring to people. And when, you know, it's not really about the product itself, like, or the service itself, it's more or less like what the outcome is when you contribute that to, to someone's project or someone's content or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, and, and having quote unquote business is an extension of your personality. But as far as like having a structure and a plan, I am not the best planner. And I don't think I've ever really had a plan. And I, um, you know, and I, I think they always say you need to have a plan, you need to have a business, whatever. But it's just sort of taking little aspects of, 
yeah, like what you're good at and what you're not good at and like dividing the two and really being like, okay, who can I find to help me? Like, what are these areas of weakness that I see? Like, for instance, I'm, I'm not good at PR. I'm not good at really like, you know, grammar or like, you know, sales and marketing and email blasts and really, you know, offering to try and get customers. And I'm like having a sales funnel definitely not a developer, like a coder. And I couldn't build a website. Like there was all these things where I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to be able to provide clothing for people. How do I do that? So I was like, I think I can research and see like, okay, I can get a website. Like Google is literally your best friend. Like I, I don't have a co-founder. I don't have a business partner. I don't have an investor. I definitely do not have like the financial means to like really have this thing become full throttle, but I'm preparing myself for that to happen. I'm always like looking forward, but you do start to like research these and you you're aware you're like, okay, I I see other competitors or people sort of in this space. What are they doing? You know, how can I mimic that for like the cheapest way possible? So when I started, I got, yeah, I got my domain. I had a digital camera at the time. A friend of mine was like, he was a photographer. So he just kind of helped me. Like we literally hung up, like when I first, first started, I can't believe it was like, it's so weird thinking about this, but we literally hung up like a white sheet in my studio apartment in Hollywood and we had a mannequin and I put every single piece of, piece of clothing I had on that mannequin. We shot it like different angles and made sure like, I didn't even think I had like a real light. Like I think we just had like a lamp and put like a reflector <laughs> on it. So it was definitely like bootstrapped and it wasn't perfect. And it was very like, you know, raw and, you know, but that you just use what you have available to you. And, you know, having really good friends around and supportive people really helped too. It's just trial and error, like a lot of trial and error. And I think that's the problem with like venture capital and like fundraising and all that stuff. Like people think they need all this money to explode, but you don't have the opportunity to pivot and change and really understand like what your customers actually want. That was something for me that I, I always constantly like talking to people, asking them what they need, because even though I put these photos up and they were like, total shit. (laughs) I think people were giving me like very valuable feedback. They're like, Oh, well, you know, like that piece is really cool. But maybe do you have like maybe these sizes? Or maybe do you have like a top like this that's like comes in other colors? And that's way more valuable than having money. I love that story, Roxy, because a couple things. One is that when I introduced you, uh, before we started to chat, you know, I mentioned that you're into sustainable fashion, that you have a brand called Elevated Layers, a little bit about your mission. But, you know, what what the listeners are really getting from you is how all this unfolded. What is it like to go through something like this? What is the experience of being an entrepreneur? Why does this matter to you? And all that's coming through in your story. So that's number one. I think there's some authenticity to your brand that draws me in. And number two, I really, really love that you have what's called a growth mindset. I've mentioned this a few times on the podcast, but if there's any one psychological body of research that I really think listeners can benefit from is to look into Carol Dweck's research 
Uh, she's a Stanford psychology researcher. And for about 30 years, she studied something called the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset. And your story is very representative of growth mindset, which means that when you want to do something, you manage your fears and you try it. Doesn't mean you're not afraid. You just don't give that too much importance, right? Right, yeah. You just go. And then when you see other people being successful at something you're interested in, you don't feel threatened or jealous of them. You feel excited and you Mm want to talk to them. Oh, exactly. 100%. Yeah. Yes. And then you're not afraid to ask for help and make mistakes. You don't feel that. Making a mistake or asking for help is a sign of weakness. A growth mindset person feels that that's the way to be strong, is to know what you can and can't do by yourself and reach out. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's people actually do want to help. I used to always think, oh, man, like, I'm going to have to pay this person or, like, this person is probably not interested or whatever. But people just naturally want to share something that they're they're good at. And people just, you know, want to be able to contribute to something as long as it makes sense for them, you know, and as long as both parties agree and are happy and, you know, or they, you add value in some aspect to them. Like, it, it took a very long time for me to realize, like, you're in your own way, essentially. Really, like you're, mm-hmm. you know, you, the moment you let go of that and just step into the unknown is the moment you start to form your path and your purpose and all these things. And I've start to started to really adapt, yeah, like mental mindset. So I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that. I love that, and that fosters resiliency. And one of the reasons the growth mindset is such an important body of research is because the end results of people's life who has a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset, which is pretty much the opposite experience of a growth mindset, is that people with a growth mindset have more overall happiness, they have better relationships, they have higher self-esteem, and they're resilient, meaning they can survive a lot of problems. Oh, yes. That's super important, right? (laughs) At the end of the day, who doesn't need that? Well, I want to talk about Elevated Layers. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about how Elevated Layers works, what your mission is, and how they can find out more about it. We specifically provide access to higher-end clothing and like streetwear, um, high streetwear that's uh, more desirable, but just not affordable. And I think us being in this you know, this era of monetizing social content, like we really want to stand out from saturation and, you know, being able to, to pursue our passions, but not have it cost us our entire paycheck. (laughs) I think like a lot of young women face this problem as like, okay, well, like I'm so interested in beauty or lifestyle or fashion, but like I have to keep spending so much money to create content. And it's like, it's, it's a topic that's very sensitive. And I think it just kind of needs to be brought to the surface. And so what Elevated Layers does is really, we have a community of people where we basically rotate fashion, like luxury fashion to utilize um, as tools for content and tag better brands and really like set you apart from the typical blogger and just 
it's crazy how people think about being a blogger or an influencer. They just think that, you know, they have to obtain a new outfit every day. And so like they go fast fashion or they go like e-commerce and like a lot of these people who do have somewhat of a following, like, you know, a hundred, two hundred thousand, like they get gifted stuff from all these brands, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they actually want it or that that particular style, uh, you know, expresses them from not only that type, but from the sustainability side is like, we actually source our clothing from designers here in New York who have sample sales often and have warehouses of just like, you know, older season collection. Um, you know, because as a designer, like, uh, they've got to produce, you know, season after season, new collection. Like it's just, it's just a lot. And I think not only like for fast fashion, but I think designers should also be accountable for their own ways. I think a lot of people don't really understand what sustainability is, but this is certainly like a baby step to making more conscious decisions and being like, it's okay for me to um, rotate clothing and for me to put my own spin on it. Um, The reason why I eliminated the word rent from like, or or vocabulary is because I know there's a lot of other competitors and and companies out there who do rent, but I, I, I don't know. I think for me, I've just noticed people haven't just jumped on the bandwagon yet. And I think it's because that word is very dated and, you know, we're 2019. Like, I think there's a whole nuance, you know, like audience out there and it's just about the verbiage. And I, and the easiest way to put it for me is, is the sharing economy. I think we're so familiarized with that. And I always pitch my company. I always say like, we don't even really rent, like we don't rent cars. We like Uber, Airbnb, you know, right. like Lyft. We don't, we don't rent houses, there's Airbnb. Yeah. Like there's, <clears throat> I think it's a very, it's a, it's a thing where people are adapting to that, but like, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't, rent office there's we work and the wing and there's all these shared spaces right and i think clothing could be the next layer of that you know the next um chapter of that i just really think we need to rename it and i wish people uh, you know would sort of just adapt to saying that and i think for us when we say we rotate fashion it gives sort of like this you know, this comfortability of being like, oh, wow, I'm actually using this as a tool. And content creators are, you know, unfortunately our future. <laughs> like, I think like that is sure. just like the world we're living in and there's no getting around it. But uh, these content creators definitely want to make a living from it. And I don't, you know, I don't blame them. They put so much passion and effort into it, but they've got to treat it like a small business. Um, cause if you want to get paid for it, I mean, you, you're making, you know, you're getting money, like, you know, you, you're making business decisions. And so you need to invest properly into certain areas, which is a lot of times clothing. So I don't really like to force sustainability. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely something where we're like, you know, that's tied within our business model, but there's this whole other side of people who still do, you know, shop like fast fashion. Like I, Every day in New York, I see people carrying, you know, those bright yellow bags and like, you know, people like that are just like accumulating so much stuff. And, you know, I'm trying to speak to an audience where I don't want them to necessarily change their ways because, I mean, that's their money and that's how they 
there, you know, that's just the world we're living in is just being able to get things like right then and there and like the convenience factor is there. But in order to be able to, you know, turn this into something that's going to bring value and bring you money also like you just have to have like a little step up and I think being able to tag these relevant brands that like set you apart is the reason why you know these girls that we look at these and who have like a million plus followers like they've just had I guess the financial means and the money to work for them because they're you know I think when girls do or when brands do influence their marketing, they're looking for that it girl on social media. Like they want the girl who's tagging like Saint Laurent and, you know, Valentino and Acne and all of these like brands that are really expensive and just don't, you know, you girls can't just go buy a new outfit every day like that. So that's kind of where we're starting. I'd like to ultimately not be able to carry anything tangible and just have um, my designers kind of sourced everything and we're just sort of like that bridge that connects creators and designers and, and also agencies. We, we launched a new agency um, service earlier this year. We do, we drive everything on social media. We just do reach outs. We, yeah, we partner with a lot of agencies, but basically we have a monthly membership and an annual membership. Um, our monthly is 250 a month and they get, they get to rotate four items every month which the retail value comes out to being like between two and $3,000. So I really believe that clothing should be a tool. I feel really strongly about that. Being able to just gain access and rotate these things is this just how it's going to naturally work. And hopefully people will start to adapt with this way of consuming um, and just making yeah small changes and buying less. If we're going to continue being in this, this social era where people want to express themselves and their personality socially, like I, I don't think having like all this shit everywhere is going to make them get anywhere. You know what I mean? It's not going to make, make you go further. So yeah, I like the idea of the sharing economy. I think it's di- di- very different from thrifting, but I think it's in the same realm of sustainable fashion, of a recycled lifestyle, of reusing resources. And as you were talking, this idea came into my mind, and I don't know if this is something you're doing. So I just want to ask, it's like, if you have like, oh, I don't know, let's say that acne leather motorcycle jacket, and it retails for a thousand bucks or whatever. And uh, you send it to, you know, one influencer who uses it in a photo shoot, and then they send it back. And then another influencer uses it. Do you ever link that? You know, do you ever build a story around the item? You know, no, I, I, I don't, we haven't done that yet. But that would be really cool. That's really a trend in sustainable fashion right now is to understand who made my clothes, where has right, it right. been, you know, like the story of an item is also just so fascinating. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I I think people, yeah, are, are becoming more interested in learning the history of something. Um, yes. And I think, yeah, I always think clothing should be like something that you genuinely love and care about. Um and you don't have to keep it to love it and care about it. It's that's right, what's yeah. so fascinating. 
Exactly. And um, yeah, like I, I love it, you know, integrate and start getting these people to talk about how they feel when they wear something or because I mean, you can tell the difference in, in someone's content. You can feel when it's forced versus having them like actually picking something they want. And you can see the confidence level change, like even in their just smile and the way that they're posing, like it's totally yeah. different. But yeah, like I, I love that idea of being able to just talk about and just and and um like yeah that not only where it came from who made it like how many times it's been rotated what yes. they pair how, what they paired it with yeah I, I yeah that would be so cool I think that's really fun because I do think that's why social influencers are here to stay is because I think just as a, a maybe a commoner a consumer, whatever, right? I don't know what I am, but <laughs> I think uh, you're a rock I mean, star podcast. Yes, but as someone like me who's living their life, you know, I relate more to a social influencer styling up a kick-ass jacket that they're going to recycle than to someone who can afford to go into Saint Laurent and buy, you know, a, a suit. Like, I don't relate to that person, even though I admire uh, their panache. I, I don't relate to that. And so their influence over me is very limited. Right. Yeah, exactly. But these people whose life looks more like mine, whose interests look more like mine, you know, they are much more compelling. And I, for one, I love the idea of social influence. And maybe that term has just gotten some bad press you know about how people want to distance themselves from that label but the idea of being influenced by people who are more like you I think is actually um, really here to stay and not a bad thing I think it's actually kind of good because I, I don't know it feels more authentic agreed oh yeah I mean like I even read just yeah I read some article that said you know those beautiful perfect cohesive feeds are just those are good that's gone now like people really want the authentic in the relatable aspect like you're you're saying because that's just that's what's going to move somebody that's what's going to like touch them in a way where they're like oh wow that's like meaningful so I'm going to engage with that because that means something to me I still style on the side like I still do shoes I still offer my services separately from elevated layers but everything I get is is pre-owned like everything I get and that to me is still the fun part so like I still go out there and hunt for deals and things and stuff and styles that haven't been copied by fast fashion or very unique and you know and have been around for a while and I think to me that's what I want to keep for my personal inventory because when I do these shoots or when I work with people that's when I get into the situation situation where I'm able to explain that and that's like just even more powerful than being than just sending a package to somebody you know absolutely so like I and I I know I wish I had you know I wish I was like you and knew where all these secrets and all these like cool places were but I'm like an online like you know like hunter like I like uh, yeah I think we talked before like I always use Poshmark or like the the real real or I still go on eBay from from time to time I, I wish that I was more like immersed into like New York City and like all the thrift stores and vintage stores because there's so many. <laughs> so 
I agree with everything you're saying, Ropsy. And I have two questions that are just burning a hole in my mind now. Is <laughs> who, who should I be following on Instagram? Who's got awesome, you know, like a high-low thrift style. And I need to know about your own favorite wardrobe pieces. So which one can you tell me about first? Honestly, like if I were to go high low and this is like a girl in New York. Um, I mean, it's, she's well known. She it's, we wore what, um, Danielle Bernstein. I think she's done a really good job of like, um, integrating like high end stuff, but she does have low end stuff and she still does shop like, you know, from like econ, like eight, you know, ASOS or whatever, which is fine. But I, I think she definitely taps into all demographics of her audience. And I think in order to be a successful content creator and you really have to put out content that's going to, you know, tap into all people that follow you because that's the reason why they're going to keep following you. Another girl that I follow and she's oh, she's super, super cute and she's more of an, an ethical blogger. I think her name is Jess. It's Jess with less. She is so cute. She, she does have less and she shows like, she will, I guess, put focus on one piece she has and will shoot many different looks with that one piece. And I think more people just need to do that and really just like explain like how I can turn this one piece into like 10 looks. So great. Oh my God. Yes. I'm definitely going to follow them. I yes. love it. Yeah. So let's talk about your own thrifting, your own passion for secondhand stuff for your own wardrobe. Uh, what are some of your favorite pieces that you have? Oh, wow. Okay. So I, I did like a 20 question interview with Remake Our World. They're, they're so great. I love everything that Aisha is doing. Like, you know, and they just had a, um, a short film called Made in Mexico. Um, they did a premiere here at Parsons, which was so cool because I think that's the kind of youth that they need to, you know, get. But it was so Oh my God. It was so real. Like they literally, they went to Mexico and found these seamstresses that made the clothing from, you know, H&M oh. forever 21 and interviewed them and you know, they're real people. And it was so heartbreaking to hear them speak, to hear them speak about these companies that will hire them. And they have such this huge, beautiful mood board and goals for their brand, but the people that are helping them and they, it's like, they don't think with the same love, like for, for the, for the people who are actually working for them. And, you know, if anybody hasn't like heard of it or seen it yet, go watch it. I mean, it is such a beautiful, it's a short film, but it was really well done. I'll admit I haven't always been sustainable. I haven't always bought pre-owned, but I've always bought things that were never retail. That was like my whole thing. It was like my whole life. I've never bought anything retail. Like never ever. buy retail. Never <laughs> buy retail. Seriously. It's such, totally. it's such Yeah, it is such a joke. Like I'm like, why it's the worst. That, oh my god, the markup <laughs> on clothing is seriously between four hundred and eight hundred percent. And it's just wild. So wild. And I'm just like, wow, like I can't even I can't even process that. Like, like why would, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, so for me, it's like the biggest, if I never buy retail, um, but I got this coat like a really long time ago. This was probably like 2011, 2012, but it was when I first discovered that brand Sandro, which I, I oh, yeah. still really love. And they have like really beautiful pieces. And if ever you're looking for, st I mean, Posh, there's so much on Poshmark. If you look up Sandro and Maj, like, oh my God. 
of like an abundance of stuff that you could get for so cheap. But I bought this jacket. It's a leather jacket. I remember it was, I was on my way to um, Coachella. That was my first, or so yeah, it was my first Coachella. And they have this huge um, outlet, like kind of city in Palm, like on the way to Palm Springs called Cabazon. And um, I just went in there and I was like, oh, this is like really cool. And this jacket, I shit you not, was like retailed for almost $700. Um, and it was like 85% off or like, it was something so stupid cheap. Like I couldn't even afford it at the time. And I think that it was like on sale for like $95 or something. And I was like, it was one size too big. And I bought it. I just bought it anyways. I just had to like, there was something about it that I was just like, man, like this jacket is speaking to me. Like she just wants to come home with me. And I like, I'm so glad I bought it because that night, like it was a little bit cold there. Um, it went with all my outfits and like still to this day, like I wear that jacket. Like I trot, like she's been all over the world with me. Like she's been in so many of my photos. Like she is my go-to <laughs> jacket. She goes with dresses. She goes with jeans. She goes with heels, sneakers. Like it is just, and I think for me, like that's how we should feel about our clothing. Like we should like, they, they should be like family. Like, you know, she's like, like my sister. Like, it's so great. And yeah. I, and I, and I've had that jacket for, yeah, like, I mean, seven, eight years now. And it still looks just as like new as the day I got it. And it's something that I never paid retail for. And so I think there's all these, there's, you know, like, I think that we just need to pick things that make us feel that way. And so when yeah. we're buying, whether whether it be vintage or pre-owned, or if even if we're buying something new, but not retail, like if we go to Nordstrom Rack or something that's like on sale, like that's how we should shop. And then some of my, like another piece I just got recently, it was from Poshmark. I got this vintage Saint Laurent, like silk top. And um, I think she, she wanted like, I don't even know, like $90 for it. And I was like, oh, let me just put out an offer. Like, I was like, I'll give you 35 bucks for it. And she took it. And I was like, oh my God. Yes. And like, this was like a top that's, you know, like, I don't know what season it came from, but um she said, she said she got it from another vintage store, but yeah, it's again, it's like, that was like five, $600 top retail that I got for like the, I mean, that you just like, you know, you just have to do a little bit of searching, but I, mm-hmm. when I saw that and even without seeing, seeing it in person, like even in photos, I was like, wow, this shirt is like, so me, like, this is so, I know I can wear it with this. And you start to think about what you're going to put with it. Once you get it, you're like, oh, I can wear that with these pants that I have, or I can wear it with this, you know? And that's how, you, that's again, like how you should shop. I agree. And I think that like, I was wearing a breast, a bracelet yesterday, Roxy, that like I've had since I graduated from high school. It's like 17 years old. I still got a lot of coffee. Somebody, and that was like freaking 30 something years ago. So, you know, that is exactly right. Like, just because you're buying secondhand pieces and you're not paying retail, it doesn't mean this is throwaway fashion. Um, right. You still want to curate your goods, you want to have a fashion identity. And one of the things that I think really, you know, I'm absorbing right now about the name of your company, Elevated Layers, is that there's that elevated part where these are high end goods. Uh, that creates sort of a, you feel luxurious and special. And then the layer part is that you put them with your own pieces and you layer them with things that have stories and that you've had for a long time. And I think that's really good 
name for your company. I think it really captures what you're hoping people will do. Well done. Thank you. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're going. I'm so glad. Like, yeah. So let's wrap it up. Let's do the thrift level questions. Let's talk about your sourcing habits. Are you ready? Yes. How often do you source? Oh man. You know, every 180 days, from a business standpoint, it's every 180 days. And what about for yourself? For myself, I actually don't, I don't really get, if I, I, I mean, I'll get one, maybe one thing, maybe once a month. Yeah, I got to send you thrift, girl. Yeah, Say I it. know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like a running list of things you're looking for? Or are you just really spontaneous and you take whatever people want to get? No, I, I do have a list. I do. I'm, I'm very picky when it comes to my wardrobe now. And I think it's just because that documentary really changed my life. Not only, you know, personally, but also like with my, yeah, with my relationships, with my, within my business model, within my finances. So I think, you know, I, I think it's very good to have um, a list. And then there's like certain rules that I abide by, which is like the 30, 30 rule, which is if it's over $30, I'll take 30 hours to think about if I still, and if I still want it, um, then I'll go, you know, I'll go get it. But if it's like a bigger purchase, I'll actually take 30 days to think about it. So there's like all these things because I, yeah, because before I would all, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Like before I was, I always bought things. If it was a good deal, I'd be like, yes, I'm taking that, especially at sample sales. But (laughs) I think it's really, really good to create like a staple wardrobe because we actually only wear 15% of our closet. Like it is like a solid fact. Like we have the favorite shirt, the favorite sweater, those jeans we love. Like there's like a section that we only wear, you know, like every week. So I think just being able to adapt that mindset will help you save money and help you find things you love. That is freaking fantastic. Those are good tips. I'm going to contemplate those. Yeah, but what yeah. About, but what about the thrift gods? Because, you know, sometimes they're blessing you with things. Oh, 100%. I believe that there is thrift gods or fashion gods. But, like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know. Like, it takes, like, like you. I feel like that's, like, something that just is a gift for you. Um, Like, I think, like, for me, like, I will come across something online. Like, honestly, I'm, like, a Poshmark queen like I fucking love that side like I am on so there let's and I'll go like, back let's go back to like, number one how much are you on Poshmark <laughs> oh my god you know honestly like I I don't think I buy a lot but I have so many likes like I like <laughs> so much stuff and it's kind of like you know you put things into a cart and but then you're like I'm just gonna like hold on to it and and think about it and because like I think for me the real the real thing is like the negotiation part like I okay. love negotiating and even they're like even like if I come across like a, a flea market or something like there's one like every weekend like where I where I live like I will be like hey sell this to me for like five dollars <laughs> like okay I like I it. think I just I think I just love the negotiation part of it uh, and doing offers and stuff like that so I think that's like where <laughs> I'm like yeah I feel like I won something well I'm gonna assume that because you do the majority of your thrifting online that you prefer to shop alone is that right or do you like to go with friends yes well yeah I, if I'm shopping for myself definitely alone because like it is I don't know you just you don't want somebody to be like yeah you should just get that just because I don't know they're you know they're your friend but really like they don't care and they're hungry <laughs> yeah they're just like yeah you know, they're hungry they're just like want to go 
but if like my friend, if like I, I am, I guess like, you know, knowledgeable in style and I do have an eye for things. Like I have a lot of friends that do ask me to go with them and I'll go with them because I'm shop, you know, I, with the mindset that I'm shopping, like for them and with them, like I will always be like, okay, I'm not buying anything, you know, cause I, or I'll look at stuff and I'm like, I won't buy it today, but I'll buy it like another time. Like I'll leave my credit card at home. I won't bring any money. So, so then I can't buy anything because as a former fashionista who used to buy so much, oh my God, I can't like relapse or anything like that. <laughs> now you told us a couple of thrift stories. Do you have a worst thrift story? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There are some thrift stores that are doing it right, and there are some that are doing it wrong. And, like... Let's give it to them. <laughs> one that's doing it wrong, and I, I don't want to, like, you know, put them on blast, but this was a place in Studio City in California, in Los Angeles, and, like, I, I went in there, and I was like, oh, man, there's a lot of cool stuff in here. But, like, to me, like, I think thrifting should... You should still want to pay, like you know, not retail and like not that much. And I feel like everything in there was just so over the top expensive and like made it made me like feel like, you know, like they just were like greedy about it. And, and you know, I don't think they really actually cared or like even when I asked questions like, well, where'd you get it from? Or, you know, how did this end up? What Like they just... I don't know. They just treated me like ultimate shit. And it just made me not want to to shop there. And I feel like having a vintage store and, you know, putting, you know, things that are more of the prestigious kind, like if you're selling high-end stuff, like, you know, we get it, like do price properly, but don't make people feel like they, that they can't like A, afford it or like B, like, oh, you know, just make them feel stupid about asking questions about it. Just because like, I don't know. I mean, it's still, like it's like you're not Louis Vuitton like you can't you know you can't like be snobby Tell about that down yeah I'm like because like you know if somebody's interested and like wants to make an offer wants to buy something you know like you I feel like when you have a vintage store you don't want to just accumulate stuff the whole goal is to sell the thing the item you know right. so it's like work with people like you don't want to just sit on inventory and sit on all this like dead stock you know, if you're treating people like they, you know, it's too good for, I don't know, just. No, I totally <laughs> get it. I, like, it reminded no. me immediately of a thrift store I went in. It, well, it was a secondhand shop. Excuse the fuck out of me. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, in Grass Valley, California. Also won't name names, but I'd like to. Yeah, so we went in there. It was like, I was with my husband's family. And uh, they had this beautiful floor-length leather sheepskin-lined coat behind the counter. And I was like, ooh, can I see that? And this little old woman looked at me up and down like, this coat's too good for you. And and then she oh, says, well, I don't no. think it's, oh, no, no, hold on. She says, I don't think it'll fit you. And I was oh. like, how about <laughs> you hand me the coat? She handed me, I put it on, and I looked at her, and I said, no thanks and I took it off and I gave it back to her and walked out and I was like don't pretty woman my ass you know? I know I, I was like I you know I have money to spend in air <laughs> oh my god it's, so yeah, she it fat shamed oh. me and thrift shamed me no. oh my god you're like no. I am never coming back here 
That's right. And I will not ever go back there. Hopefully you yeah. remember which one it was. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> like a lot of consignments or don't want to be associated with a thrift store. Like, and it's like, yeah. you know what? Fucking just stop. Like, you know, like, well, we don't need to be like categorized. Like it is still all the same. We still have all the same goals. We still all want to be, you know, sustainable in some aspect and like we just enjoy like past clothing and we just want to relive it and resell it and like that's the whole purpose of like keeping yeah all these styles alive and rotating things and all that stuff so yeah (laughs) I think that's a good I think maybe I'll start the this episode when it airs with like just a little rundown on all the different kinds of thrift shops and in my opinion it's never pay retail, and if it's used, it's thrift. That's yes, it. The exactly. end. Period. Bravo. Bravo. Well, that's a, good, <laughs> that's a good place to stop. Let's wrap it up there. Thank you yes. so much for coming on. I had such a fun time chatting. Of course. No, this was great. I'm, like, so happy. I think – also, like, thank you so much for, uh, like, that little idea. Like, I would love to start just having – yeah, like, a lot of my members just – explain the story of like clothes or maybe stuff that they own you know and the stuff that I have so I think that'd be really cool yeah do it I will follow that for sure (laughs) yes all right Roxy well I will see you online all right enjoy the rest of the week take care thank you you too okay bye-bye we have come to the end of this thrift adventure thanks for tuning in to thrift therapy Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your podcatcher. And if you want to support the show, you can do so on Patreon or Anchor FM, searching Thrift Therapy. Or feel free to visit thrifttherapypod.com for a one-time donation using PayPal. My website is where I also have extended show notes with pictures for each episode. If you're feeling extra excited about the show, please rate and review on iTunes and tell a friend. I'll meet you back here in two weeks to talk more thrifting. Stay thrifty, everybody. The audio mastering for this podcast is by Kane Power at precisionpodcasting.com.